This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming. Um, this is an event that's part of our One Book, One College program. Um, I'm excited about this. It's kind of a unique opportunity to draw some of the knowledge that exists out there within our faculty, um, something that you don't come across every day. So uh, this is cool. I'm excited to welcome um, Rick Etzlon, who is an instructor in the criminal justice program. Um, he has served for 32 years and retired as a sergeant from the uh, police force in Chicago. He has a master's degree in public administration from Roosevelt, and he has a bachelor's from uh, U of I uh, at Chicago. I've had a great time talking to Rick and picking his brain about um, recent history and Civil War history and all kinds of topics. So um, I think this is going to be a fun discussion. So with that, I will turn it over to Rick. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Mr. Swanson's the reason that this is happening. I have an obscure hobby, which is uh, collecting obsolete currency, uh, mostly from the pre-Civil War and Civil War period in the South. Early in my career, uh, when I came back from the military and I couldn't get on the Chicago Police Department, I was a police officer down in Savannah, Georgia, and I acquired an interest in the institution of slavery and its history. And so I began to collect currency, obsolete currencies, very uh, fascinating in the sense that people would put their wealth in something that was worthless. It was just paper. But the institution of slavery was so accepted in the South, even though we now feel it as immoral and unjust, it was so accepted that they portrayed it proudly and displayed it. While in currencies from the North, you would see railroads or factories, here they displayed slavery. And they thought it was all right. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. And the background of slavery in North America. Something that uh, many people study history as sort of sound bites. They really don't go, don't go into it in the detail that they should. For example, uh, slavery was not brought to North America by white men. Slavery was part of the indigenous population's way of life. In the West, the Aztecs would take slaves in combat and enslave them for their own use or for what they call the flowery death, the human sacrifice. However, in the Southeast, and I use Mexico because Mexico is part of North America. In the Southeast, the uh, various tribes also took black slaves traded them with whites, and uh, retained their slaves, something that a lot of people don't realize. When the five civilized nations, as these tribes were called, and that would be the uh, Chalksaws, the uh, Chickasaws, uh, Seminoles, Creek, and Cherokee, when they were moved west, in the 1830s and 40s, they took their uh, black slaves with them. 
the census for 1860 at the start, uh, before the Civil War started, 14% of the population in the Indian territories were black slaves. And they were still in the status of slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation, which was issued in uh, September of 1862, and which was supposed to go into effect in January 1st of 1863, applied to territories that were in rebellion. Oklahoma was not in rebellion. So the Indians were allowed to keep their slaves until 1866, when they, uh, due to new treaties that were negotiated with the United States, they gave up their slaves at that time. Now consider that was almost uh, three years after emancipation. In addition, the issue uh, is still here in the 21st century. In 2007, the Cherokee Nation expelled anyone of black ancestry still in their tribes. And this is being litigated now. Today, uh, the uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs is threatening to cut off uh, money. Now, the difference, uh, the issue of slavery, abolition, and full equality is something that's also not taught and often misunderstood. Uh, citing this quote from Abraham Lincoln, during the fourth Lincoln-Douglas debate in Charleston, Illinois, Lincoln states, I will say then that I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races, that I am not nor ever have been in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, nor qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. I will say in addition to this that there is a physical difference between white and black races which I shall be, which I uh, believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social or political equality. That is a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Between 1821 and 1847, uh, abolitionist groups, especially from Maryland, bought property in Africa, forming the nation of Liberia, which was uh, intended to be a place to send freed black slaves. There was a threat in the minds of many white people that these freed black slaves would be a problem. Several uh, turned up in 18, uh, I'm sorry, in 1783 at the end of the Revolutionary War many who participated and served were given freedom as a result. And many of these uh, freed blacks were caught up in other issues later that uh, almost forced them into another form of slavery. In addition, I wanted to point out here that slavery was accepted as an institution. There was no moral guilt involved with it by many northerners. Northern businesses dealt with the South knowing that slavery was an issue, but not caring. Most of the currency that was made prior to the Civil War was made in the North. 
because the best printing and engraving was in the north. This uh, particular note here, which depicts slavery, uh, was printed by the American Banknote Company. The American Banknote Company for a while actually made U.S. currency uh, because of the quality of the work. You could see here the, uh, in all of these portrayals, the black slave is in a subservient, submissive position with respect to the white man. Here you see the, uh, the white overseer. And you also see George Washington portrayed in much of these, uh, this southern currency. And there are two reasons for that. At that time, people saw their identity as regional rather than as American. George Washington was a Virginian, and he was the father of the Revolution. This mindset carried over to the actual secession of the South, at which time they actually felt that they had a right to secede from the Union as a continuation of the revolution. Here we see more slaves portrayed in the field. Uh, and again, this note uh, was printed in the north. Uh, this is a common theme where we see them in the field and we also see uh, the black man carrying cotton. Uh, apparently, he is enjoying his position. We, we don't go into the, they don't go into the horrific status and suffering that uh, slaves were made to endure during this time. Another point that uh, people sometimes miss is that obsolete currency at that time, prior to the Civil War, could be printed by any city, any state, any entity, uh, bank, business, they often printed their own currency to retain the wealth within that community or enterprise. Uh, again, we see this same uh, position here with, with the uh, slave here. Same thing, different currencies. Some of these, uh, this one's from Staunton, Virginia. And all of these, uh, what you see on top is over the years, I've had everything authenticated. So it's uh, sealed, it's encapsulated, and they, uh, the date and everything is put in there. But here the, uh, the rating of the quality of the individual note. So you'll see it go up to various numbers. The highest would be 70, and you, you're not going to see that in, in notes this old. This particular scene was originally used by the uh, New York Banknote Company. Uh, I'm sorry, the American Banknote Company out of New York, which started in uh, 1795 and still functions to this day. Today they print uh, stock certificates and postage stamps for foreign countries. This is one of the more famous scenes. Here we see the slaves working in the field with the white overseer. Uh, this one. And we see it uh, again. I pointed out on the bottom there that it was printed up north. Here we see it again, this time uh, with currency for the state of Alabama. Same thing. The positioning of the white man on the horse is also a positioning of status. He's mounted. Uh, people are working in the fields. 
they're subservient. This is a uh, another example that is of a specifically of uh, importance. Here we see the same scene: the overseer, and we see the slaves working in the field. However, what's remarkable about this note is that it's from uh, an insurance company in Michigan. And recently there was an effort with respect to the issue of reparations from corporations and companies that exploited uh, black slavery. And one might say that uh, this is sort of evidence. Uh, from my police background, I look at it as evidence. Because here we see a company, a northern company, that exploited the situation. The insurance company has black slaves on their currency because they insured black slaves as property. And again, there was no question with respect to moral values here. When we teach criminal justice, we teach something called mala in se and then mala prohibita. Mala in se means something is wrong in and of itself. Whereas mala prohibita is something that's wrong because there's a law. So it is as if mala in se was suspended. People could not see that this slavery was wrong in and of itself. Instead, because it was legal, it was acceptable. This mindset would haunt civilization, Western civilization, right into World War II with the Nazis and eugenics and the belief that they could say one group of people was inferior to another. So, in all four notes here, we see Virginia, we see Alabama, South Carolina, uh, we would expect this in southern notes, but we wouldn't expect it in a northern note. But uh, it was a profit. It was a business. And it was acceptable. Now here, uh, many people, again, misunderstanding history, say that the Civil War was over slavery. And it was not over slavery alone. Certainly slavery was a factor. State sovereignty issues relating to tariffs, issues relating to a centralized government. The South truly believed that they had a right to secede from the Union. And they traced their revolutionary past and showed it in their notes. This is a very famous uh, situation here. It's called the Sweet Potato Dinner. In South Carolina the Civil War was fought as a guerrilla war. The leader in South Carolina was a general named Francis Marion, sometimes known as the uh, Swamp Box. To this day, by the way, Francis Marion is considered the father of the United States Army Special Forces and Special uh, Counterinsurgency Military Groups. The sweet potato dinner, nobody knows if it's true, if it's legend or if it was fact. But what happened was, oh, and there was a film. Let me remind you, there was a movie with uh, Mel Gibson called The Patriot. 
and it was based loosely on uh, General Marion. It is said that he had a uh, sweet potato dinner. He invited the colonel from the British, his uh, opponent, to this dinner. At the dinner, all they had was sweet potato and water. The British had burned crops as one of their tactics against the American revolutionaries. But sweet potatoes growing underground would not be destroyed. So the American patriots lived on the sweet potatoes and water. And it is said when the colonel saw this, uh, that he realized it would be almost impossible to defeat them. They also had their slaves, and here you can see the slave is cooking the sweet potatoes. The slaves were given the option of freedom at the end of the war. And again, it's amazing at how ignorant we are about our history. Many people think that uh, July 4th, 1776, we declared our independence and we were free, failing to realize that that began a seven-year war and it was not till 1783 that the United States was really independent. And that seven-year war was extremely brutal, especially in the South. So they would, the Southerners at the time of secession from the Union, would often revert back to the thinking that this was a continuation of their Revolutionary War, that this was the justification, because just as they had entered into the Union voluntarily, they had every right to leave the Union, to secede. This particular bill is a uh, Confederate $10 bill, and again, the sweet potato dinner is portrayed and the slave is at the bottom. In one of these, you'll notice that, the, that there's a dog down there. And the dog is uh, indicative of loyalty and faithfulness. The dog is not in, in all of them. The sweet potato dinners are altered. And the original painting, by the way, of the sweet potato dinner was uh, done in 1835. And it hangs in the uh, halls of the United States Senate today. Here again, we see the sweet potato dinner in a uh, South Carolina note. Uh, what's interesting about this, again, and a real question that, that we have to ask as Americans, why the moral outrage against slavery was never really as strong as it should be. For example, this note again shows a sweet potato dinner, again shows a slave, and the slave was identified years later as Oscar Marion. Uh, he took the, the title of his master, the, the surname, and his family, his descendants, traced it back and they identified him. And in 2005, uh, President Bush had a ceremony and uh, uh, proclaimed him a patriot of the American Revolution. But uh, he's shown again in this scene. And what's interesting about this scene at this point is the note is uh, 1873. 
almost a full year, 10 years after the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. The institution of slavery was so accepted and ingrained in the Southern mindset that it was acceptable to portray this years after it had ceased to be. Could you imagine uh, German currency printed in the 1850s with scenes from the Holocaust? Would that be acceptable to anyone? Yet this was accepted. Here, uh, there were 67 notes of currency, different notes issued by the Confederate States of America, the 11 states that seceded. Only about three will actually depict slavery in their notes. This one is the $100 bill, again, showing slaves uh, working in the field. This is another of the Confederate notes that showed slaves, again, slaves working in uh, removing cargo from, from wagons. And here again, we see other scenes of slaves portrayed, uh, portrayed in the back of Kentucky here. We see them in the background. Uh, these were issued during the Civil War by the individual states. South Carolina... Uh, here, see the Bank of Commerce from, uh, where was this one from? Okay. Okay. Let's see. Savannah, Georgia, where I worked. A wonderful, beautiful city. Uh, Arkansas. Slaves portrayed here in the $10 note. All of these were issued during actually during the Civil War that I'm going to show you now. And again, the, the dog uh, loyalty and faithfulness to the cause. This one was issued in Texas. State of Texas, again, the slave in the field, cotton. Mississippi and uh, Florida. This scene of the smiling slave uh, carrying the bounty of, of cotton is frequently used in the currency. We had a close-up of them here. And you can also see here uh, the overseer, again, directing the workers. Again, this, uh, this particular scene, again, uh, in an 1872 note, once again, nine years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the scene is still used in South Carolina currency. Absolute currency was also issued during and after the Great Depression in the United States. And I brought this out just uh, to give you an idea. This is from the city of Detroit, issued $1 uh, notes. Uh, this is the city of... Uh, Owasso, also in Michigan. This is an interesting note. This is a current note in a Jewish community on the northwest side of Chicago. They use uh, their own currency to contain their wealth, to keep it within their community. They use it today. It's, I, I entered that in. Now, the issue of the issue of 
slavery, and then the issue of racism that followed. There was an effort to continue to control black people in various parts of the country. And it was accepted that segregation would exist in the South, well into the 20th century. These are postcards also from my collection dealing with racism and the insulting nature of demeaning black people. Black people were never allowed to be treated as adults. They were something to be mocked. Here we see this postcard, and I show you the back of the postcards as well, so that you understand this was so accepted it would go through the U.S. mail, and nobody cared. Here, uh, a coon tree and a possum postcard. These, uh, I guess it was amusing to some people to see black people attacked by alligators in Florida. These are postcards mostly from Florida. When we think of Florida now, we think of uh, Disney World and we think of a, uh, a diverse population such as, say, in Miami. Uh, there's a darkies prayer. Again, Florida postcards, postmark, went through the mail. Again, the, uh, the image of the black man as savage, primitive, went through the mail. This postcard showed that even in World War II, which was into the 20th century, almost the mid-20th century, this depiction and portrayal in a negative way of black people continued. Uh, this postcard showing a uh, black soldier on guard duty. That one even went through the mail with the uh, free postage for military uh, postal. And also here, the more sinister aspect of this, we see a postcard again from St. Augustine, Florida. And they're very proud there that they uh, hanged three, three black people at once. They were so proud they put it on a postcard. Uh, and don't, uh, as I started in my, earlier when I said that uh, slavery was not brought here by the white man. It was already here brought here by the Native Americans. Uh, also remember that white people were brought here in slavery. Approximately uh, 200,000. Uh, this book, White Cargo, The Forgotten History of Britain's White Slaves in America, hundreds of thousands of white people were deceived into thinking they were going into an apprenticeship or an indentured servitude, and they too were brought here as slaves. And... There actually were black slave owners in South Carolina from 1840 uh, to the beginning of the Civil War. So it's not just a white issue. It must be viewed as a moral issue.
an issue in terms of how does a society determine right from wrong and how does a society allow wrong to continue. So that uh, this is the uh, bibliography. If anyone is interested in reading more on, on these specific subjects, and uh, I'll answer any questions you may have. Yes. That's an excellent question. What was the backing of the currencies? And this is remarkable because uh, when you go back on the Confederate currency specifically, the agreement, uh, the backing on the Confederate currency was the promise that upon receive, reaching an agreement between the North and the South that the amount of uh, the value would be paid to uh, to the part the person. You could see it up here, where it talks about it was they were basically promissory notes, and they were seen as a loan to the Confederacy. They were seen as a loan to the cause, and that's what's interesting about Confederate money. It had nothing backing it, whereas our mo Union money had. It would say, pay the bearer on demand, $5 in silver, $5 in gold. This was, uh, this was the true fiat currency. It was truly based on nothing but faith and the desire to hold the wealth within that specific community. But that's an excellent question. And uh, in a sense, uh, when you talk about obsolete currency, you're talking about currency that's worthless today. But that currency was worthless then. And I think that would be my second question. The Southerners speak to everything when I read. So is it hard to find this currency today? And what's the value? If I want you to buy that. Uh, if, you were, if you were looking to buy it as an investment or, or for whatever purpose, the key would be here on, on the, uh, the value would be determined by the quality of the note. The, this is a 40 which is pretty high for a note that's 150 years old, plus. And uh, the highest you would get would be an uncirculated 70. So a note like this, uh, depending on what the value, you could probably buy a note like this for anywhere from 50 to uh, $175, $200. And then if you went to a higher grade quality, that is, it would be, you know, maybe closer to $500. So, and it's, again, when I started collecting these uh, over 20 years ago, they were very inexpensive. When uh, they put together, Ken Burns put together that series on the Civil War, everything shot up in value, and a lot of it was, uh, was very difficult to find. But believe it or not, if you go on eBay, you'll actually see these notes, but I would caution you, because uh, unless they're like this, certified already as being genuine, uh, you're taking a risk. And the Union itself, at the time of the Civil War, actually flooded the Confederacy with counterfeit money to, to destroy what was left of their economy. So you can uh, you have to be careful when you're when you're looking for. But it's out there. They're out there. 
They print, and they made no coins, by the way. There was no coinage. They, they didn't have the wealth to produce coins. And even the Union lost coins during the Civil War because people began to hoard metal. And so uh, there's something called fraction currency that was issued by the Union, the 25-cent notes, 50-cent notes, because there was a shortage of change. Uh, any other questions? Yeah, ironically, it's worth something now. You're right. <laughs> yes. So you said that there were black slave owners. How did they come to power and have white slaves? How did what? Black slave owners come to power then? Because it was the the morality was absent. It, it wasn't seen as as a as a moral issue. It was seen as a business issue, and some of the freed blacks who were successful businessmen themselves, remember there was a large amount of blacks that were freed in 1783. Those were blacks who had served in the Revolutionary War, and as a reward, they were granted their freedom. They became successful in certain aspects of business, trades. Some of them were craftsmen. And uh, part of the acquiring of property included the acquisition of slaves. They, uh, they had slaves, and it was accepted. However, in 1860, when it was obvious that the Civil War was about to happen, uh, laws changed in the South, and there were specific uh, laws that prevented them from continuing to retain slaves. And in the post-Civil War period, we saw the uh, black codes. These were laws specifically geared to keep the blacks down in terms of any ability to vote. Uh, we didn't see the Voters' Rights Act until I think it was 18, uh, 1965. But uh, they kept them down. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Mississippi, there was actually a law that black people or mulattoes could not own firearms in violation of the Second Amendment, specifically to keep them disarmed so that they could be overpowered by uh, the Klan, if nothing else. So it's, uh, that, was, that was the basis for it. And that book, there's a, as I put in the bibliography, there's a, there's a whole book that's actually on that subject. There's actually about three books on the subject but I'm most familiar with the one that I listed as, uh, as an excellent source. And I, I, I talked to Mr. Swanson and I discussed this also one time uh, with respect to the issue of color. My first job out of college was I was an investigator for the Illinois Fair Employment Practices Commission, and I investigated uh, civil rights violations and employment throughout the state of Illinois. And at the time, the way the law was written, uh, women weren't included yet. But at the time, it was race, national origin, religion, and color. And uh, when I was being trained, I, I raised the question, what do you mean by color? I mean, doesn't race cover color? And I was uh, informed that uh, 
some darker blacks were the victims of discrimination from lighter blacks. And so color was put into the law specifically to address that issue. And even in, to this day in South Carolina, there is a class of uh, light-skinned African-Americans who specifically keep themselves light-skinned and see that as a position of power within their uh, subculture. I, I don't know if anybody's ever heard that. Troy knew it. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people have never uh, are unfamiliar with that. Any other questions? Okay, thank you so much for your attention. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.